The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. Welcome back to Strengthen Your Roots. We're glad you're joining us today. I'm Kaylee Cook, and I'll be your host for our eighth episode. Last month, we heard from Brian Devaney, Carol Brush, and Jess Langenberg on the ODL team. This month, we're excited to shift our focus to a brand new series called How I Built This. We'll highlight products that Farm Credit has developed into brands we share with other associations, such as Farmland, AgDirect, Rural First, and Salesforce. I have Carl Horn and Cody Schrader with me today. Carl is the VP of Digital Loan Products and Services, and Cody serves on his team as a lead product manager. Carl and Cody, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks, Kaylee. Before diving into questions, would you both give us a brief professional and personal bio? Cody, how about you go first? All right, I will start. Uh, so I started with the company in 2007 with AgDirect. Um, was there for about three years and then started to have my first um, role that was fo- focused on customer-facing technology, and that was the implement- implementation of AgriPoint. Um, that was back in 2012. I remember that date well because I got married uh, 10 days after the release of AgriPoint. So um, that was that was kind of my first um, run at working on customer-facing technology, and then uh, also worked on a mobile the mobile application, and then left the company for a little bit of a time period and worked with early stage startups in the Omaha metro. Had an opportunity to come back on the strategy and innovation team, and then uh, an opportunity presented itself to work with Carl on building out our uh, first real estate online application called Dreo back in the day. And um, I'd be lying if Carl's voice and singing talent didn't attract me to the team and jumped on board, and here we are today. Awesome. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Carl Horn. I've been with the company just a little bit longer than Cody, about 15 and a half years. Spent half of that time out in the field as a sales officer, both in retail and with AgDirect. And actually got Cody and I uh, worked on a group in AgDirect that took us nationwide in irrigation uh, financing. That was a fun journey that he and I had uh, together many years ago. Then in 2013, I came to Omaha. I led the Young Beginning Small Producer Program along with a number of very talented financial officers and credit officers in the company. Over time, we transformed that small group into a team called Customer Solutions, which is now Customer Success led by Kyle Perry. So I got to work with the company to help start our customer education program. Uh, Hired Kyle Perry to come in, and he's done a phenomenal job along with his teammates in growing that program. And it was around that time, too, I got the opportunity to start working with our digital tools, namely AgriPoint, which Cody uh, modestly is like the godfather of, and the mobile apps. And over time, what that transformed into is what you see today uh, with digital products and services. So one thing, Cody, and in your introduction, you mentioned that my singing attracted uh, you to this role. And for those that don't get the reference, uh, pre-COVID, we did quarterly town halls. Mark Jensen would lead them. And at one of those, we got the opportunity to showcase uh, digital real estate origination, which was the project name we called DREO. And we got to showcase that kind of live in Omaha and broadcast out to all the retail offices. And one of the challenges we had was people could not remember this acronym. And Tim Cook actually uh, created the name DREO, Digital Real Estate Origination. So 
in an effort to get everybody to memorize that or learn it, I, I just asked the crowd, do you want to make sh get this stuck in your head? And everybody's like, sure. And so I, um, you know the, the songs like Deo, Deo, right? We just put it as Dreo. And the tagline was, it was Dreo, Dreo. A farmer comes and we ride him alone. So anyway, people got the laugh and never, nobody ever, for, in fact, I haven't had to sing it to this day. I have not heard it since that day. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. That was great. That was great. Yeah, love to hear that more of that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, funny. So, okay, um, Cody, I know you've got two little kiddos running around. What else do you both like to do outside of work? Take care of the kiddos. Yeah, you mentioned that. That's a that's almost a full time job. Um, golf, probably golf. Husker football, basketball. Big avid Husker fan. That's about it. Yeah. All I have time for really. <laughs> well, I think is and Cody and I talk about this quite a lot about the work life balance and having think what I call like an equal and opposite to work. So we, we get the privilege of leading some pretty big projects here. Um, my opposite to this, what kind of balances me and grounds me in the personal life, I like to write music. I'm not super good at it, but it's something that uh, I really, really enjoy on piano. And, and I got a passion for aviation too. And then I, I too, I have two boys, uh, just about nine and 11. They're really active in sports, Cub Scouts, et cetera. And so I spend a lot of time with coaching and and helping out the boys in those areas. Awesome, thanks for sharing. All right, Carl, back to you. As the leader of digital products and services, can you just give us a um, description about what your team does? And I know you're in farmland, but there's so much more to your team. So just give us a high level overview. You bet, and I'll do that briefly. Uh, big picture, if it's customer facing technology, our team has accountabilities related to that. So we've talked about the major components that you have AgriPoint, mobile, uh, farmland, We've got very active work with AgDirect on agdirect.com and an online app. And then we have our hands on a number of other projects. Uh, so customer-facing technology, that's primarily uh, what we work on. How we started this, so this team is, uh, pro is it two and a half? July of 2019 is when I started. July 2019, it was probably a couple months before that. So time flies. Mm -hmm. We're about to, that means we're going to come up on our third birthday mm -hmm. here in, in three, four months, right? Um, the reason we started was to uh, begin this uh, process that got us to farmland. That's really why we created the team. Uh, so like with customer success, uh, with digital products and services, I was employee number one uh, on that team. And then over time, we've built um, uh, the key uh, people that are on the team. So you have a side to digital products and services that is around product management. So we have product managers. Every day that what they're working on is breathing life into new business models, typically through technology, but not always, uh, and getting that deployed out in the market and see if we have good product market fit. And probably the biggest thing that you can see is what we built with Farmland. Uh, then we also have officers, they're Omaha-based officers that when these apps come in, they immediately get picked up and looked at by officers here and then we transfer those out to our retail teams uh, for continued sales, continued care of the customer, loan processing, closing, servicing the loans. Yeah, so that I think that, in a nutshell, is um, what the team does and how it's made up. Perfect, well, let's dive in specifically to Farmland. We're gonna take a different approach to the podcast today. Um, we've, there's been a lot of great videos created by Farm Credit about Farmland, about the process, about sales. 
Um, but today I want to get into the details and really how it was formed, how we've literally built the product and what our long-term goals are. So Carl, I'm going to start with you. Start from the beginning for us. How did Farmland become an idea? Where did you get the inspiration from and how did we come up with the name? Yeah. So these origin stories typically have multiple paths and this one does too. Cody actually plays a really significant part of the origination of what became Farmland. He was an innovation manager at the time and they were actively working a project around an online app. Uh, so another part of the origin story related to that was uh, if you're looking at the fintech landscape, I mean, you see like major players in the home lending market. Uh, Rocket Mortgage formed, I think they came out that Rocket name a little over 10 years ago, has been for a lot of other lenders massively disruptive. Like how much market share that's gained uh, in the home lending side by offering just this incredible online experience and just the way that they approach the market, got achieved product market fit and the dominance that they've had. I mean, in a home lending market that does 2.3 to 2.5 trillion dollars of business each year, in the span of 10 years, they now own 10% of that, which is monumental. They're by far the largest home lender originator in the United States, and they've done that all while also being number one in customer satisfaction. It's not just that they're number one overall in customer satisfaction, it's that out of the 10 categories you get rated in in customer satisfaction, they're number one in all of them. And second place is typically not close. So they have absolutely rocked it, um, <laughs> right? Pun intended. Yeah. Uh, they, they've uh, done an incredible job of having a digital platform going out and dominating the market. When is that gonna happen for agriculture? That was a question we started asking ourselves, and we certainly don't want to be on the outside looking in. And so we had formed this uh, work group focused on digital transformation for this company, and we made a key decision that if there is some type of major player coming in on the fintech side to finance ag real estate, it was going to be Farm Credit Services of America. So how did we get from there, and even the, the, the uh, active innovation work that Cody was working on, all the way to Farmland? Well, the reason that the name Farmland exists is to enable system collaboration. If you think about the business challenge that we work in a territorial farm credit system where there's about 65 other associations, if you want to band together to compete on not just a regional level, but even super regional national level, one of the most confusing things that we do is we come in with so many different names. I mean. Uh, 24 months ago, if you searched for farm credit loan online, you would see maybe 13 different farm credits and they're named things like Farm Credit Services of America. Oh, great. Well, I'm buying a ranch in Texas. Can you finance me? No, we cannot. Uh, same thing with American Ag Credit, Farm Credit Mid-America, FCS Financial becomes confusing. We knew that if we're going to band together, we had to come up with a unique way, took a page right out of the Ag Direct playbook and we created a name, we called it Farmland, powered by Farm Credit. And that enables multiple associations to go out under that one banner into the digital space and offer the products of Farm Credit to anybody that's out in the digital area. And then we can sort out who is the local association that's gonna serve that. And that's really where Farmland came in. This is a large undertaking for Farm Credit, even with a tech team of our size. So Carl, you should just shared how we got the idea, but Cody, where do you start with a project of this magnitude? 
Yeah, that, <clears throat> it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, we mentioned Dreo uh, when we kicked off the podcast here, and that's really where it started. Um, before Farmland actually became a reality, uh, it was the Dreo initiative, and um, we were building an online application for Farm Credit Service America specifically. And one of the stories, this was before I even jumped on board uh, in July, Carl, you had found, you know, there was a ton of traffic going to the loan calculator on the FCSamerica.com site. And, you know, the product, from a product management perspective, you're, you're, you're constantly trying to find insights and data to support opportunities. And that was a really early insight where we could make an assumption that some of that traffic might be looking for a loan. And so all that traffic coming to the site, uh, we were able to validate, you know, via Dreo that there was a certain percentage of that traffic that was ready to move forward with the loan application. And so um, in terms of where you start, you have to start from the customer's perspective. Like achieving business outcomes starts with talking to customers and solving their problems. Early on when we launched the application, uh, July of 2019, it took us 73 days to get our first application. And in those 73 days, we were constantly monitoring data, seeing where customers were getting hung up. We were calling customers and interviewing them to see where they were having challenges. And finally, uh, we optimized the site, and very specifically, we had a right, uh, the right digital ad at the right moment in time for a customer to uh, apply for a loan um, to catch them at the right moment in their buyer's journey, um, that where we got the application and, and things started to grow from there. So that's really where it starts, is, is you have to talk to customers and, and solve problems from their perspective. Yeah, it, it's, uh, and, and since then, we've continued to solve problems and we're continuing to get more and more applications each day. Going from 100% in-person applications to an online portal is a complete mindset shift for our company. Carl, you mentioned previously that we turned our focus from building an app to building a customer experience and that farm credit could be a disruptor here. So talk to us about what's going on in the marketplace and what we're doing to stay competitive. Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're looking to um, gain a foothold in lending, especially in the ag side, one of the most challenging things to do is to build um, kind of the traditional footprint and channel, the, the actual brick and mortar. And that's a barrier for a lot of companies to get the physical presence. Um, that's something that Farm Credit, not only in our territory, but across the nation, already has nailed. So what a lot of uh, the next um, new players in ag financing, they're going to first come in digitally. Uh, they don't take expensive buildings. You can pick and choose where you're going to play. Uh, you can typically do that anywhere in the United States. You have players today like Ag America. Uh, and then what we've seen in Farmers Business Network where they're trying to augment their business model to include financing. Uh, those, are, those are major players that are exhibiting that model, coming in on the digital front. Uh, even Ag America it comes out, immediately develops a website and says, we're the premier ag lender in the United States. Oh, really? That's interesting because they have an immeasurable amount of uh, market share. Now, they're growing every day, uh, but I think that they're, they would be far from uh, premier. Good folks, really good folks that are building that. But when you start on the digital space, you can really be anything that you want to be, right? So when you look about what's happening in the marketplace, those are going to be some of the new players, non-traditional and traditional lenders moving to the digital front. What's important for us is to make sure that farm credit builds and maintains superior visibility online. You talk about the shift in mindset 
for 103 years, every application that has been that has come into our company has come in uh, to a person, especially on the real estate side, right? AgDirect's got a different kind of a model. The mind sh mindset shift that happens when you when you bring in that digital component is simply this, and this is what I think has um, related well to our financial officers out in the field. This entire digital channel is built to be a pipeline of business to them. It's not meant to detract from them. It's not meant to disrupt anything internal. It's not a, we're not looking to build in any channel conflict. Digital is simply a tactic we're using in our business strategy to, to compete for and win new business. I wanna make sure that while we have great representation with our offices out in the field and with our the visibility our teammates have in communities and at auctions, et cetera, then when it comes to the digital space, that we have the same amount of visibility. And in fact, uh, superior visibility. Make sure that when, when people are looking for anything in the context of the things and services that we provide and the insights that we can, pro uh, that we can offer, that they find us. Talk but to us about what kind of customers we are attracting. Yeah, what's been really interesting, Kaylee, is uh, again, it's it looks it's a similar cross section to the part time farmer, full time farmer, investor uh, folks that we see in the retail teams, but the ratios are different. So this, the digital space brings in a significant um, amount of what we're calling investors. Where in retail, we typically see about ten percent of the book volume that we get in retail is from investors. Uh, and we're working to improve that every day because investors probably make up about 20% of the total market. On the digital side, they make up uh, about 40% of our application, probably 46 or 47% of all book loans. And so we, we probably get twice uh, the, the share that you should get um, because of the digital space. And it performs about four times as well as just the traditional retail channel. And then typically we're seeing um, we're seeing both uh, small loans, you know, three four hundred thousand dollar real estate loans, and occasionally for us larger loans, maybe in that one to two million dollar range. Uh, so, but no, very rarely do we see uh, you know higher end retail, even to retail commercial lending uh, type of loans. But uh, and and also while we have built the channel specifically focused on the customer segmentation of trailblazers and optimizers, uh, it still brings in folks that identify as traditionalists. Sometimes this is the, the route where they don't really have to talk to somebody initially. They can just communicate very simply what they want to do and then get the process started. So that, that has been a bit of a surprise. But. Well, and it's fun to see that the customer segmentation we did is paid off and it it's for a purpose and it's been helping in the farmland process and with our data research. Um, but I want to back up to Cody for a second. You talked about, you know, how you start on a project like this, Yeah. how you figure out what problems to solve. So once you got there, what teams internally did you tap on the shoulder and said, Hey, we need your help with this. Uh, that is a very long list. Um, I actually created a Miro board and grabbed every teammate that was working on Farmland at one point. I think this was late 2020 or mid 2020. Uh, and there, it was like 85 teammates deep mm -hmm. that we were working with across 15 different teams. Mm -hmm. um, this, this was a cross-functional effort. And that was something, Carl, I mean, we talked about this a lot consciously, like making sure that we were engaging teammates and, and bringing them along along this journey with us because this was not just a, a one team that was executing on this. This was absolutely a cross-functional effort. 
if I started naming the teams, I know I'd probably leave somebody off the list, but names that come to mind, marketing has been huge. Uh, we mentioned digital marketing earlier, and I think that's one of the things that we really learned right out of the gate is uh, we had this cool website, you know, we were reducing friction in it, and we made it super simple to fill out. Uh, now we had this challenge of getting people to the site, and we didn't know how to do that, so we went to the marketing team, and they had all sorts of uh, ways for us to start to get people to the site, and so um, that's been a huge uh, benefit to the application, obviously, just getting traffic to the site. Um, compliance in the early days, uh, we had to make sure that we weren't, you know, breaking any laws or breaking any rules. They, they were crucial in our success. Credit, sales, we, we did a lot of uh, sales calls to make sure, as Carl was talking about, is that the process was fully understood as those uh, applications were getting handed off to retail teams. Yeah, th there's a, there's, it's, it's been a lot of fun working with all the different teammates. Um, legal, they're more involved now as we're getting collaborative mm -hmm. associations signed up. Who comes to mind for you, Carl? Well, I tell you, this company is filled with incredible collaborators. Yeah. And you've named uh, just a few there, and there's a ton of stories by, behind uh, each of those. So one of them in particular, if you don't mind, Kayla, just jump into one of those stories when we're talking about the, the marketing piece. And you had dropped, Cody, that it took us 73 days to get that yeah. that first app. And it was really the, the, the first app was, when we call it the first app, it was the first, like, um, real, felt like this is exactly what we've been looking for forever type uh, applicant. And what had happened, why was it day 73 and not day 72, right? There's a reason for that. It wasn't just, it took about that long. It was because on the afternoon of the 73rd day, we finally got implemented a, a significant change in our AdWords strategy. And um, uh, I think our ads had gotten approved on Facebook. And we could walk you all the way through the algorithms of how that works on Facebook. But that, that was the day it clicked. It was about 3 p.m., 10 p.m. that night, uh, mountain time. Uh, Larry, a rancher in western South Dakota, gets the family in bed, is wrapping up his day. He jumps on Facebook, checking with the family. He sees upcoming auction for a ranch. He already knew about this, but it, it triggers his attention, upcoming auction on a ranch. Um, one of the local realtors out there advertised it on Facebook. Not by coincidence, right below that, advertisement for looking for a farmer ranch? Apply now at fcsamerica.com. In fact, the, real, the website we used was onlinerealestate.fcsamerica.com. Had some of our lingo, logo, et cetera, meant there to add credibility and build trust, but had the key call to action. Hey, if you're looking for something, let us know and apply now. 12 minutes later, he hit submit on the credit application. I had the right uh, notification set in my phone. Uh, I think that woke me up in the middle of the night. We quickly got to the office the next day. Tyler Peters, who's now a FSO out in uh, Broken Bow, uh, he was our interim officer here in Omaha. He worked on, on the development fund side, uh, under the YBS side. He and I had to wait until it was time that we could actually call the customer because we had looked at everything, we had entered it in so fast. And then we called up the customer and uh, turns out it was an existing customer. Um, this applicant was an existing customer. And so when we went through that path, we asked, hey, um, why, why did you go the online path? And he said it was just so simple and convenient to just do it right now, let you know I'm interested in that piece of ground. And then we, we got the, um, the application process for him. Now, he wasn't successful at that uh, auction. He decided to head in a different direction, but 
you talk about just right out of the gate delivering a great customer experience. But that was, that was a really fun journey with marketing and Judy Hartleave and her team and us being able to learn together on how we go from just having a website to now having something that actually get your messaging out in front of people. Uh, early on when we launched that, we talked about when you just have a website, it's like putting a financial officer on a random rural intersection with an application in their hand, waving it in the air. Uh, occasionally somebody may drive by and look at them funny or may even stop and say, hey, what do you got there? Oh, it's an application and then move on. And maybe someday somebody that is actually like, well, I'm actually needing a land loan would stop and see that person. You got to get, just like we put offices in a lot of different locations and billboards and we're in the papers and our, our officers and teammates are out at auctions and other events, that's what you have to do the same thing in the digital space. And so our branding now gets seen 115,000 times per day. And that yields, that's how many times you have to be seen to yield people that will click through and interact with the site to get 12 to 1300 people. It's like, how many times have you seen the local car dealership messaging? You're not looking for a car. You won't be for three or four years. But I guarantee it that three or four years from now, they want to make sure that jingle is stuck in your head. That when you say, I'm looking for a Chevy, you know the exact dealer you're going to go So with. it sounds like you have a jingle then for Farmland. Is that right? <laughs> no, not yet. We do not yet. You're kind of well, that can be your next uh, project. Yeah. Yeah. Next project. <laughs> you write music. You had Dreo. I feel like it's coming. <laughs> That's a great story, Carl. I'm glad you shared it. And I'm curious now, we will get into stats in a little bit here, but you mentioned that the first custom, the first person to click on the link was actually a current customer. So what stats do you have now as far as how many people who go through the application are brand new to farm credit versus existing customers? Yeah, what's interesting is it remains about 90% of the applicants that click submit are new to our retail products. And that surprised us quite a bit. In the early days when we we're still in the planning process, we spent a lot of time having concern around how do you make sure we give our customers, people that we already have information on, just, just a fantastic experience. Uh, had we known that most of them would be new to our products, um, we would have stressed out a lot less about that. But yeah, it's, it's been a really effective way to bring in new leads for officers, not only just to process the real estate requests, but to also cross-sell other products and, and help us build a, a relationship with that, that, with that lead and that buyer. Were there times through this process that you thought you would fail? <laughs> yeah, failure is an option and it does happen. In fact, there are things that we uh, deployed that we thought would work and achieve success, and they didn't work. Um, and we don't call that failure here, we reframe it as, as learning. But big picture, what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, we, uh, technology is, is difficult, product development's difficult. Uh, we even have our own examples internally where uh, we launched something that didn't achieve the success that we were looking for. What we've done to help mitigate that is to invest in a very modern product management process. Cody's alluded to it before, but essentially what we do is we get very clear about what the objectives of the, our company is. 
What is it that we're trying to achieve as a business or for our teammates? And then we work through our process to match that business objective. Let's say we want to make sure that we can grow in the digital space with our real estate loans and not have a competitor come in and displace us uh, to any appreciable degree. Then we go out and we actually work with customers to understand what is the land loan process like for customers. And then we try and match up a way that we can get into the digital space, still meet their needs and objectives. And that's where you see something like Dreo and Farmland come up. And so it's rooted in the same practices that companies like Intuit, Capital One, Amazon, and many others use. Modern product management that can reliably and predictably get, help you achieve product uh, market fit. And so most of the failures now, Kaylee, happen while they're still on paper. Uh, they happen when we can't validate a, a hunch with, with customers, where we get out of alignment with a business objective. They never get off the paper and into production. So uh, we can do things faster, probably a little safer uh, under that process. Mm -hmm. But yeah, great question. I'd add, in, in the early days, you know, when we were being very diligent on what fields are getting filled out within the application, there were moments in there where you didn't know if the app was going to get completed within that 73-day period. But once we started to kind of get over that threshold and customers were sharing more and more personal information with us, social security number, birth date, all that, you knew that you were onto something. And so we just kept optimizing, kept optimizing. And then uh, once we had digital, digital marketing line up with, with a really good application, um, everything kind of fell into place. But now, Carl mentioned uh, with product management, uh, we, we don't call it failure, we call it learning, but we embrace that, right? Like we're constantly trying to find product market fit and it's okay if we introduce something that didn't work. We're trying to get to 70% confidence based on customer interviews that Carl talked about and data analytics that we're looking at behind the scenes to introduce something. Those things aren't always gonna work and so um, we're, we're embracing uh, that, that failure process. On that note, Cody, I'm curious, what advice do you have for employees out there who have an idea but don't know how to approach it? How do we identify if there's a problem in the first place and then approach that problem we want to solve? Wow, that's a great question. So early on in my career, uh, advice I would give is I used to value, I used to put my value to the organization based on my ideas, and it took it took a long time for me to realize that's not the value that I could provide the organization. Like ideation is one of my top five Gallup strengths, and so uh, it, when you come across those ideas, I think it's natural to just think that that is that's that idea is you, and it's important that we detach that idea from us and focus more on the organization's strategic initiatives. Like what I mean by that is, if you line up ideas, you should be able to draw some sort of connection in current state to growth or operational efficiency. And so as you do that and you start, to, um, you start to brainstorm underneath those different strategic initiatives, it's going to land a lot better than some wild idea that you just like dreamed up, right? And so uh, I, think, I think it's really important to focus more on growing uh, and, and hitting, hitting metrics for the organization and then having ideas underneath that than, than just uh, falling in love with your own idea. Yeah, that's the power of focus is what you're talking about. Yeah. And, then and, one, and then to add on to it, once you start focusing on those business outcomes, so say it's growth or operational efficiency, 
uh, we talked about it earlier, but uh, you're looking for the intersection of business outcomes and customer outcomes. That's where like the sweet spot of the ideas are. So if you talk to 10 customers and you identify that they all have the same problem, and if you solve that problem, it's gonna help us achieve the business outcome that the org cares about, that's where ideation needs to take place. And so that's, that's where we've uh, really got it dialed in on the team to, to start ideating and introduce new solutions into the market. It sounds like a nuance, but what you're talking about is becoming outcome focused. Yes. As opposed to output. Right. And so typically, you know, we think about, oh, I have this new project to build X. And uh, the project's done when you built and launched X, deployed it. And then you walk in and you move into the next thing. What we focus on is what do we want, what problem are we trying to solve or what business outcome or what outcome are we trying to achieve? Then any solution is possible to be able to do that. That it prevents us getting fixated on the solution, more so fixated on the problem to be solved. So problem focused as opposed to solution fo focused. Um, it actually changes the way that we talk about our projects. It's, it's a key principle of the way that we conduct our product management. I agree with everything you said and sitting from a retail perspective, we're the closest to the customers. So that's why it's so important that we're working together in retail in Omaha mm -hmm. to share those ideas when we have them, constantly try and find problems that can be solved in ways that we can do business um, better for our customers. Yeah, definitely. Both in general and then in relation to farmland specifically, how do you measure success after the work is done? So at the solution level, so assuming you've gone through the rigor of connecting the solution to the business value and validated the customer need, um, at, at the solution level, every solution should have a specific success metric attached to it. Uh, and so we, we release those solutions and then we will track it with data analytics. Uh, we'll also interview from a qualitative perspective how customers thought that feature was. And so before we release something into market, we already know what success looks like. And so we'll revisit that solution once we feel like we get to uh, statistical significance. Sometimes we don't get statistical significance because we don't have enough traffic coming to the site in some cases, but it's at least back to that 70% confidence. If we know it's working, we're going to leave it out there. Uh, if it doesn't meet success criteria, we, we do have the discipline on the team to pull something back. We have case after case example of that where we've ran tests and, and it did not achieve what we thought was successful and so we've we pulled that solution from uh, what customers are seeing. So one way to measure success is through some of those statistics. Um, you mentioned sometimes we don't always get what we're looking for, but can you share with us what we have so far in terms of um, impressions, site visits, app submissions? Yeah, it's been um, a fun journey on trying to grow interactivity engagement with the marketplace, with our with our buyers, our farmers, ranchers, and investors that are spending part of their time um, online. Uh, it's still early days. You know, the digital side still makes up just a few percentage points of all the volume that this company produces. We think long term um, that that pace will uh, continue to pick up. Majority of the people that we're working with are likely more early adopters. There's a great book uh, around crossing the chasm. Oh, yeah. Is that the name That's of it. the book? That's it. Yeah, um, the listeners, you should give that a look. Uh, what that talks about is moving from those early adopters into the early majority, and it's a really big leap uh, that almost every, especially digital company, has had to jump at some point. 
that's like every overnight success is really just 10 years in the making. We're still in our first few years of being able to figure that out. But the impressions now are in the millions and they don't just happen inside our territory. They happen all across the United States. So that's attracted a lot of associations to jump on and join Farmland, a few of which this company knows about right now. You're gonna hear about several more here in the near future. Uh, so the, the national reach this will have to be able to serve farmers and ranchers that are looking for easy to get in touch with local uh, farm credit officers uh, through, the, through Farmland, uh, that's really gonna take off shortly. Um, you asked about impressions, I mean, it doesn't take long to get those into the millions. I think we reach a million people every uh, almost nine days uh, out online to see our uh, call to action, our brand, um, our images, et cetera. But uh, it continues to grow. Impressions is one of the things that we're keeping track of. Um, we, we started using this word KPI. It's called it's a key performance indicator, and essentially uh, we we have a list of specific KPIs that we feel if they move up will help us achieve those business outcomes that we're trying to achieve. And what we've learned is sometimes we pick the wrong KPIs to track, and so those need to be fluid because we can change those time after time. And uh, one example that I, I wanted to kind of share, uh, we had a book recommendation earlier. Another one would be uh, Measure What Matters by John Doerr. Uh, he talks about an example um, in YouTube's early days where different parts of the organization had different metrics that weren't really attached to the overall company's strategic initiative. Uh, and that, that metric that everybody ended up getting aligned on was one billion hours watched per day because their whole business model was around getting ad revenue. And so if they could get to one billion hours watched per day, that was like where they were all trying to achieve. And so I think Mark's done a really good job for the org talking about where we want to be in the future. And, and th that's just another example um, of another company kind of setting that, that big bar, that, that high bar that we need to be striving for. But underneath that, you can see how different teams, whether it's the architecture team, if it's if it's one billion hours watched per day, the architecture team might try to increase speed of the load time so then more people could watch, like there, there'll be more hours watched per, per day. So when you have those metrics, they can trickle down to even like lower level metrics that the team can care on, care about and start to focus on. And so uh, I just wanna point out that, yeah, while we're looking at things like impressions, site visits, application submits, average loan size, types of customers, that those KPIs could change one day and uh, it, all, it all is relative to the business outcome that we're trying to achieve that year. Perfect, thanks for sharing that. So Carl, can you give us a broad picture overview of what our long-term goals are for Farmland? Well, I think the long-term goals for Farmland match the long-term goals for our company. And that is to make sure not only that we continue to be agriculture's most valued financial partner, but that we can continue to grow our value offering that improves our, our customer owners, quite frankly. Uh, some of that's growth. Some of that is becoming more efficient as a company. Some of that is widening the um, value that we offer. Uh, there's a term that we use here that's very common in the product and technology landscape called omnichannel, but making sure that there's digital options for a lot of the tasks that customers want to complete with us. I think about one of the biggest ones, the one we've had probably the most um, impact with is remote deposit capture, and that's a technology that Cody helped lead uh, the integration of many, many years ago along with several other talented teammates. And now 65% of all inbound payments 
come through digital technology. And that's helped to, as we've grown as a company and take on more customers, that's helped free up some of the time of our teammates to better serve customers that want to interact in person. And so it's a lot of technologies like that that help not only improve the accessibility of our company to our customers using digital means, but also I think can be a force multiplier for our sales officers as they interact with our customers. Finding new ways to be able to keep customers in the loop, gather financial information, uh, gather um, uh, application information even. I think there's a lot of things that um, are close in that this company is just on the, just on the cusp of being able uh, to achieve. So farmland, I know it gets the, the big splash as far as it's the, the big digital step forward in our territory, but big picture, uh, our goals match the goals of the overall company and we want to um, continue to make this uh, be a very successful, highly chosen company and make it a great place to work and a really, I don't know, exciting uh, company to be a part of. Yeah, I'm excited to see where we can take this in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to switch it up here. Um, I know this is a fan favorite of a lot of our listeners. Uh, Time for a couple rapid fire questions. So we just want to get to know you guys a little better. Minimal explanations. Just uh, give it your best shot. So the first one I have for you, um, give us a book recommendation. Well, I'm going to recommend one by Teresa Torres. It's called Continuous Discovery Habits. I was so delighted to see our uh, general counsel, Scott Kazire, stop by my desk a a few days ago with that book in hand and he had it on order for all of ELT that's awesome it, it's a it's a great book Teresa walks you through how to keep a very inquisitive mindset analytical mindset how to go through discovering what it is that your customers need she does a phenomenal job Cody how about you uh, yeah uh, I echo what you said with continu- continuous discovery habits uh, especially for teammates looking for how to identify customer problems like so if you if you are that teammate that's like wanting to think of a new cool idea that book really helps you dig into how to how to approach customer interviews and identify pain points back to the uh, ch- the legal chief legal counsel story though um, uh, Scott Kazire was looking for Carl because Carl's quoted in this book so I don't want to hold Carl to it, but if you do happen to be reading this book, stop by his desk so he can give you a signed copy. That's <laughs> sure. what Scott was looking for. Um, so another book, uh, this would probably be uh, from an overall company perspective, is uh, Project to Product by Mick Kirsten. It's a really good book that talks about real-life examples of organizations moving from project thinking to product thinking. There is a, a point in the book that I'll caution you that starts talking about the flow framework that gets a little kind of messy and how you'd kind of apply that logic to our, our organization. Um, but it has some really good practical examples on how you can start thinking about business outcomes and achieving business outcomes rather than just executing on projects and hitting deadlines. So it's, it's a good one. Thanks, guys. Uh, how about the, your favorite place that you've traveled? Hmm. Cody, where have you been? It's been awesome. I think I'm trying to talk you into going on this trip one, one day at uh, Isla. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I went to uh, an island off the coast of Scotland. Um, I'm a Scotch fan, and there's uh, some distilleries there that have some really peaty Scotch. So uh, I'd say Isla. Lafroig. Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Hey, I just took my family down to Mexico. Um, Cancun, this Isla Mujeres. Uh, 
it was a blast seeing the nine and 11 year old snorkel and all of that. And it was just a fun, really fun family trip. Go out or stay home? In my 20s, go out. In my 30s, stay home. <laughs> well, you have to haul so much now. Right? Yeah, it's just too much. With the little ones. That your time will come though. When they get a little older, about my boy's age, you can you can get out just a little bit more. Yeah. This episode's podcast ponder question is: Carl, you're a go out versus stay home. I could go either way on the going out or staying home. I know tonight we're going to go out and see uh, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation at the Majestic. Great movie. Little full, a lot of sap. <laughs> Little tree water didn't hurt anybody. You drink right. a gallon of motor oil before the trip. Oh, snots, <laughs> right? So good. Yeah. Oh, how about this one? What would be your dream job if money and school were not roadblocks? I might be doing it. Um, quite honestly, I, there's a reason why I'm. Um, you know, we work the way we do, and and I get to have the enjoyment working with Cody and. A lot of very talented teammates. I don't want to sound weird, but that I might actually be doing. I think if there was a a better place for me, I would have went and did that. Now, if I could like fly a seven forty seven on the weekends, I would do that too. But um, this is a great place for me, Cody. Inspire us. I I don't know that I have a better answer. Um, whatever it would be doing, it'd be it'd be something where you're searching for product market fit, solving a customer problem. Mm-hmm. And given the opportunity to literally do that every day, like I don't know um, what else I would be doing. At some point, I would say I would not mind teaching. Like I, I do enjoy, uh, or coaching, or just being a f- coaching my kids. Through. I know you get to coach mm-hmm. your your boys, and yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know if I could be a full time coach for my kids as they grow up, but like I, I get a kick out of teaching, so that'd be something I'd enjoy. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, next one for you. What time is your alarm clock set each morning? 6.15. 6.15. For the last, I've hit this age. The last five or six years, I don't need an alarm clock anymore. Five, 5.15, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, here I am. Yeah. Good morning. I don't know if it's the back or it's just like you hit that you hit that age. Now I'm just, I don't. Like if, your if internal I have, clock is, yeah. is always gone, yeah. If I've got like a 5 a.m. flight somewhere and you got to get up, ridiculous i'll set my uh apple watch uh just so i don't wake up andrea and the family and everything but no i'm an early riser now about 9 15 i'm dozing off Mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna party late into the night with you but you want to get rocking and rolling right away in the morning i'm i'm your person awesome last one for you tell us your favorite podcast well, I'm here today, so I've got an affinity for this roots, how I built this one. Uh, Kaylee, uh, when you approached us about this idea, I was ecstatic because on my podcast, on Spotify, that day, Guy Raz, how I built this, Coinbase uh, CEO, the founder of Coinbase, look it up right now. Go after listening to this one. Go listen to that one next. Um, it's, it's really phenomenal. That's mine. Uh, I don't know that it's my favorite one, but it's one I've needed recently. It's uh, Dad University. Um, specifically, I'm listening to some episodes on patience. Um, we uh, Not as much anymore, but we had a little puppy at the same time as, as having our uh, little girl. And um, yeah, I needed to listen to some podcasts on patience. It was, it was uh, well worth my time. I think we all could use that, Cody. <laughs>
All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Carl, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today that we haven't already covered? Well, I want to thank you. I thought you did a, you've done a fantastic job as host of this podcast. I'm really excited to where you and the team uh, take it from, from there. Yeah, I just think you did a great job with this, how we built this uh, podcast. And thank you for having us on. Cody, anything from you? I would just add, you know, I think this is titled How I Built This. It is. So I uh, just wanted to call out, we were talking earlier about how many teammates we've worked with, you know, the last two and a half, three years. Yeah. And it's really how we built this. Like, Carl and I, like, I remember those early conversations. We, we had that phrase, no heroes, mm-hmm. um, because we knew that this was going to take a team effort to, to make this happen. And so um, just wanted to call that out. This is really like a, a how we built this episode. Totally. I like that suggestion. That's farm credit to a team. It, it totally it's, is. It's we, it's I not completely I. agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me on Strengthen Your Roots. I'm happy to have had the opportunity to talk with you about farmland and learn more about how we built this. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please email dollar sign roots with any questions, comments, or feedback or ideas for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to answer the podcast ponder question on Yammer for a chance to win some great Roots swag. If you have follow-up questions for Carl and Cody, feel free to drop them in Yammer as well. Come back next month to learn about Rural First and don't forget to keep an eye on the Roots SharePoint site for upcoming events. Thanks all and have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode.